to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, One Church family. It is so good to get to speak to you today. I hope that you're having an awesome Sunday wherever you're at. And uh, I know many of you are joining us in House Church today. Hope that you're enjoying a great time of fellowship. And uh, I'm just thrilled to get to speak to you today. And uh, I know I'm speaking to a camera, but I'm seeing all of your beautiful faces in my heart today. And so thank you for taking the time uh, to be with us. If you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, While you're turning there, I'll just mention this. Uh, Next Sunday, October 23rd, is our Sunday Fun Day Skate Night. Uh, We are going to be getting together at Cimarron Skateway as a church family and just enjoying uh, a time of fellowship and roller skating together. And so if you have some skating skills, this is your chance to show those off. Say that 10 times fast. Skating skills. Skating skills. Uh, It's going to be a great time. And so I hope you'll plan to join us 5 to 7 p.m. And here's the deal. We have rented out Cimarron Skateway. And so we hope that you will come and uh, let's all get together. Let's invite our family, our friends. Uh, You can bring people if you'd like. And uh, we're just going to enjoy being together. So that's next Sunday night, 5 o'clock at Cimarron Skateway. All right. Well, if you have your Bible, Isaiah chapter 40, And I want to read from verse 28 down to verse 31 this morning. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Isaiah says this, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Take that, Google. (laughs) He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Listen to this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to speak to you today kind of a continuation of the theme that I began last Sunday. And it was kind of, we could say, a soft launch to a new series, uh, perhaps called uh, Teach Us to Pray. And if you were with us last Sunday evening at the Orlando Ballet Center, I talked about uh, that passage of Scripture that Jesus' disciples asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I shared with you that that was the only thing that his disciples ever asked him specifically, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, because ultimately they recognized that it was through prayer that they engaged with the presence of God. And so I want to continue that today and kind of springboard out of that thought of prayer. uh, Lord, teach us to pray and becoming a people of prayer. And today I want to speak to you on waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Now, I know uh, some of you maybe even just hearing the word wait, uh, it is a trigger for you. Maybe you are starting to twitch a little bit. Uh, Maybe you want to get up and run out right now. Turn this thing off. I hate to wait. 
The reality is all of us hate to wait. Uh, as Americans and in our culture, we hate to wait. We love to move fast. We love to check things off the list, be productive. That's the culture that we live in. Uh, many of you have heard that uh, psychologists now are even using a term hurry sickness to talk about uh, just this frenetic pace of life. Go, go, go. Uh, we can never stop. We can never be still. And uh, the truth is that's also come into our spiritual life. In, in the modern church, there is uh, less and less of a time of waiting. It used to be, even in recent history, that there was the concept of waiting on the Lord, perhaps in services, oftentimes in church gatherings. Maybe you experienced this as a kid. There would be time, altar time, lingering around the altar. Some churches would call it tarrying, waiting. Uh, but over the last 30, 40 years, uh, much of the church in our culture has uh, joined the experiment of what many people call seeker-sensitive church. And that's basically how do we just kind of make church a little more uh, accessible, a little more appealing to the culture that we live in. And many of those things can be good, but ultimately, uh, if we become like the world, we can no longer lead the world. And so church has become uh, faster and faster. Get them in, get them out, uh, multi-services, multi-location. Again, I'm not saying that that is wrong, but there's less and less of a sense of devoting time simply to be present, simply to wait on the Lord. And I'm not saying that services need to be everlasting in order to be eternal. I'm not advocating for, you know, hour upon hour. But I am saying this, that ultimately being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is about relationship with Jesus. And there is a rhythm to relationship. You can't have a relationship in a hurry. There, there is a pace. There is a a requirement of learning to be present. Uh, I mean, think of it, those of you who are married or um, really in any relationship, if you have a relationship and you're going, okay, uh, it's date night, let's hurry up, let's knock this thing out so I can check it off the list. How many of you know that will not end well on date night? And the same is true in our relationship with the Lord, that we have to learn not to perform, but we have to learn to be present. And the Bible gives us the solution, and it's waiting on the Lord. We need to learn to wait on the Lord. And so I want to share with you a few things. Um, if you're taking notes, I'm going to structure this with kind of three uh, thoughts. And the first thought is this, that there is the promise of waiting. Why would we wait on the Lord? Why should we um, develop this thing of waiting? Um, you know, again, uh, we hate to wait. Uh, if you don't believe me, just sit at a green light for about half a second after it turns green and there will be a demon that will manifest behind you honking the horn, okay? I'm joking, it's not a demon, it's just flesh, okay? Um, but, but why would we wait? Why would we talk about waiting on the Lord? And here's what I want you to see. There is a promise of waiting. Look at the passage 
that we just read in Isaiah chapter 40. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. How does an eagle fly? An eagle soars. When a storm comes, an eagle actually uses the wind to rise above the storm. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so what I want you to see is that there is a promise to waiting. Or I could say it this way, that waiting on the Lord is the secret of spiritual sustainability. If you want to learn to have a sustainable spiritual life, you've got to learn to wait on the Lord. There is a promise of waiting. Uh, I want to look over as well. I'm just going to share with you a few scriptures. This may feel like a little bit of a Bible study, but Isaiah also says the same thing. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, he's speaking to God's people in exile. They'd been taken away from their homeland, the promised land, the place of God's presence. And here's what he says in Isaiah 30, 15. It says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness, and confidence shall your strength be. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. But you would not. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses. In other words, we've got places to go, people to see, and things to do. And we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue, you shall be swift. In other words, he's saying, you're saying, we've got to run. And he's saying, if you... you perpetually live on the run, you will be run over. In quietness, in rest, is your salvation. Isaiah also says this in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4, he says that God acts for those who wait on him. And so this theme of waiting is based on the promise that when we wait on God, God works in our lives, that there is a promise of God's blessing and God's goodness and God's life that comes to us as we wait. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse four, he says, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me, unless you remain in me. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In other words, God wants you to live a life that is productive, that is fruitful, And that is fruit that will remain. In other words, it's not just temporal things, but it's eternal productivity. He wants you to live a life that is productive and is fruitful for eternity. But it comes out of his presence. It comes from learning to be in the presence of God. And so there is a promise of waiting. And that is that God's blessing and that God's life will come to you. But not only is there a promise of waiting, the second thing I want you to see is that there is a pattern of waiting. There is a pattern of waiting. What I mean by that is the pattern throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New, is this, that God's people make time for God's presence. God's people make time for God's presence. That's the pattern of waiting. 
Now, let me just run through some people throughout the scripture that, that developed this lifestyle of waiting on the Lord. The Bible says even of Adam, I love in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. The, the, the thought is that God is showing up there to meet with Adam. That was the rhythm. That was the routine that Adam and Eve communed with God. And if you read the story of God showing up to meet with them and, and they have fallen into sin, the first thing God says is, where are you? Where are you? It's not because God didn't know where they were. God was saying, you're no longer waiting. You're no longer here to meet with me. That, that thought is almost like, you know, uh, the neighborhood kid that shows up, knocks on the door. Can Adam come out to play? I, I want to be with him. And so Adam waited on the Lord. The Bible tells us that Abraham waited on the Lord. Genesis 18 says that Abraham was sitting in the door of his tent and the Lord appeared to him. He was sitting in the door of his tent. In other words, he was waiting and the Lord appeared to him. And he actually was visited uh, uh, angelic visitation of three angels who came in and if you read this, I just encourage you, write this down and go study it later. But uh, the, the visitors came in and Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, Sarah, we've got to get something to eat. And Abraham becomes a waiter. Literally, he's serving the table. He's a waiter. He's waiting on them. Theologians say that that was a, 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 a theophany, a Old Testament appearance of Christ. So Abraham was a waiter. Moses waited on the Lord. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, that Moses took his tent outside the camp and he called it the tent of meeting. And everybody who sought the Lord went to the tent. The Bible goes on to say that Moses spoke to the Lord and the Lord spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. He was waiting spending time in the presence of God. Now, he had places to go, things to do, people to see. He was the leader of millions of people, but he understood that ultimately his productivity came out of the presence of God. He wasn't too busy to wait on the Lord. The Bible says in verse 11 of that chapter that after Moses departed, that uh, Joshua remained in the tent. He lingered behind. He was waiting on the Lord. So Moses and Joshua waited on the Lord. The Bible tells us that David waited on the Lord. So many of the beautiful Psalms uh, that, that we have come out of David's time of waiting on the Lord. Psalm 62 and, and also into 63, David says this in verse 1, Truly my soul waits silently for the Lord. So David waited on the Lord. He was the king of Israel, the most successful king in their history. Why? Because he learned the secret to his success came in the presence of God, waiting on the Lord. So we move into the New Testament, tip into the beginning of the New Testament in the book of Luke, as Jesus' parents bring him into the temple to present him in the temple. We find these characters, Simeon and Anna. Simeon was a man, the Bible says, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and Jesus was revealed. 
to him. The Bible says of Anna that she was a widow. She had time. She had free time. So what did she do with her time? She spent it. The Bible says she she did not depart the temple, but ministered to the Lord constantly with prayer and fasting. Luke 2, 37 says, Simeon and Anna were waiting for the Lord, and they were among the first to see Jesus. When we wait on the Lord, Jesus is revealed to us. Jesus even waited. Luke 5, 16 tell us that Je- tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. He spent time waiting on the Lord. Just a couple more examples. Many of you know the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Jesus comes to visit them and Martha is running around. She's got so much to do. And Mary's just sitting, just waiting. And we could say it this way. She seemed like she was just wasting time. And Martha said, Jesus, why don't you correct my sister? Why don't you tell her to help me? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled with many things, but Mary has chosen that good thing which cannot be taken away from her. Why? Because she understood that the greatest success in life did not come out of her productivity, but out of her presence, being present with God. She learned to wait. The last one I want to share with you is the disciples. Now, the disciples of Jesus did a lot of things wrong. If you know the story, I mean, they messed up all the time. But the last thing Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, as he ascended back to the Father, he says, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. If you know the story, about 120 people gathered in the upper room, and the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly the Holy Spirit came. Why? Because they were waiting. So many of us read that and we say, Lord, do it again. Pour out your spirit. We need a revival. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The question is, do we have time? Do we have time? Are we willing to wait on the presence of God? And so there is not only a promise of waiting and the pattern of waiting that we see throughout the scripture that God's people devote time to waiting in the presence of the Lord. But the last thing I want you to see is the practice of waiting, the practice of waiting. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're going, Justin, I have no idea what you're talking about. Number one, I hate to wait. Number two, I don't even know what waiting on God means. What does that mean? Well, here's my definition of it. Waiting on the Lord is setting aside time to be with God. And it requires becoming uh, physically and mentally passive in order that your spirit may become engaged with God. Becoming physically and mentally passive. In other words, you're not doing anything. It's simply uh, about being with God. Now, prayer and scripture and worship can all flow into that or flow out of that. But oftentimes, the greatest hindrance to every aspect of our spiritual life is simply that we don't know how to wait on the Lord. Uh, ask any pastor in America today, they would tell you the number one hindrance to spiritual life in people that even name the name of Jesus is they're simply too busy. They're simply too busy. 
We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read the Bible. We don't have time for fellowship, for gathering together, for worship with God's people. We just don't have time because we've never made the decision to wait on the Lord. And so I want to give you, here's what I want to say to you. I believe that we need to normalize waiting on the Lord. People talk about normalizing a lot of things these days, but I want to say to you, I believe we need to normalize waiting on God. Now, you hear this and you may say, Justin, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. Well, let me tell you this. I feel it myself. I feel it in my own heart, this sense of, I don't have time to wait on the Lord. I've got to prepare a message. I've got to speak to people. I don't have time to wait on God. I've got to get a message. Uh, I don't have time to wait on God. I have building projects. I have two, uh, church and home, currently happening. I don't have time to wait on God. We need a website. We've got events coming up. I've got to do all of these things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. It's not an issue of activity. It's an issue of priority. And I have to recognize that my greatest productivity flows out of being present with God. We need to normalize waiting on the Lord, the practice of waiting. So three things that I want to tell you in closing. How do we wait on God? Number one, make time. Make time. And what I would say is you need to schedule this first. Schedule it first. We schedule all kinds of things, doctor's appointments, uh, meetings with friends, play dates, um, you know, work appointments, all of those things. We schedule all of them. But let me ask you this. Do you schedule time with the Lord? Do you put it actually on your calendar? Whether you use a paper planner, whether you use Google Calendar, Apple Calendar, however you do it, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, schedule time with the Lord. Put it on your calendar. And when other people want to schedule time in that time, just say, I've got a previous commitment, okay? But we need to normalize uh, waiting on God. Uh, the, The reality is, I know, even for me, if somebody said, could we meet? And I said, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. They would say, what? That's a waste of time. You need to be meeting with me. But we need to prioritize it by by making time. Put it on your calendar and put it on first. Put it on the calendar first. Now, I know that that doesn't mean that we're going to be able to devote hours and hours Most of us cannot devote hours and hours, but that may be five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. I'd encourage you, shoot for 30. But but if you have time, make more time. The goal is simply to be in the presence of God until you sense His, uh, His presence with you, going with you then throughout the day. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, 16, that we are to redeem the time for the days are evil. What does that mean to redeem the time? It's a principle of really living in the kingdom of God. Redemption is to buy back. Um, We use that perhaps with a coupon or a gift card. I don't know if people do coupons. Uh, A gift card. You redeem a gift card. And it means that you are um, making more value in that. If your gift card is worth 20 cents, but you redeem it, And what has been paid for it, suddenly it's worth not 20 cents, it's worth $100 because that's what has been paid for it. Now, let me tell you this. Jesus has purchased your life with his blood and has given you eternal life. 
That's not just a quantity of time. That's a quality of time. Life with God. And so when you put God first in the Old Testament, the principle of redemption was this. You give God first and the rest is blessed. It's true of our tithes. When we honor God with our tithes, the remainder is blessed and goes further. When you put God first in your time, you are redeeming the time and the rest of your time becomes more productive. So number one, make time. Number two, make a place. Make a place. Now, God doesn't need a place. God's everywhere. He can meet with you anywhere. God doesn't need a place. You need a place. (laughs) As Dallas Willard says, the unfortunate part about being human is at some point you've got to have a body. It's part of being human. We live in bodies and bodies take up space. Therefore, if you're going to meet with God, you need a place. And I know for many of us, really, one of the greatest hindrances uh, after making time that keeps us from meeting with God is making a place. Where do we go to meet with God? You know, do you go to a mountain? We don't have any mountains around here. Where do I go to meet with God? Here's what I would encourage you to do. Just set a place that you can be as free of distraction as possible. Uh, create an atmosphere that is conducive to being still in the presence of God. That may be for you um, sitting in a chair in your house and just opening your hands and being silent in the presence of God. That may be for you kneeling down beside your bed or laying on the floor and just being still, allowing your body and your mind to be passive so that your spirit can begin to commune with God. I say lay on the floor. Don't lay in the bed because you'll fall asleep. Maybe it means going to the park. There's something about being in nature that makes it easy to connect with the Creator through being in Nature. I think a membership to Lou Gardens is like 50 bucks for a family for a year. That's my spot. That's where I go to meet with God. Uh, I can't wait until we have a building. One of the things that we want to do is uh, open our building in the mornings in what I would just call sacred space. And what we mean is we just want to create an environment where you can go to meet with God. If you need a place to meet with God, turn on some Uh, instrumental worship music. Again, God doesn't need that, but it's just about setting an atmosphere in your heart, in your mind to meet with God, creating a place and a space to meet with God. So number one, make time. Number two, make a place. And then the third thing I want you to see, if you want to develop the practice of waiting on God, is make it a habit. And what I mean by that is bring it into the everyday rhythm and routine of your life. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, talks about one of the greatest ways to develop a new habit is to connect it to an existing habit or um, bring it into the regular routine of your life. And so we do need a time and we do need a place, but we also need to make it a habit by bringing it into the regular routine of our lives. And here's, here's my practical advice. If you drink coffee in the morning, Don't read the news while you drink your coffee. Wait on God. Uh, Maybe many of us have kids and maybe you say, this is impossible. I have kids. Well, I understand um, 
the struggle is real. But here's what I'd say. Maybe when you go to the playground and you're in a, rather than scheduling a play date, nothing wrong with that, but maybe rather than doing that on a weekly basis, maybe you make that a time of waiting on the Lord and you're going to sit on the bench. And while your kids play and you have your eyes open, you're sitting there, but in your heart you're saying, God, would you come and meet with me? Would you come and meet with me? And here's what I found is that God is so longing to meet with us that when we just make a little time and we make a little room and we make it a habit by bringing it into the everyday realities of our life, rather than listening to a podcast on my commute, I'm going to be silent. And yes, I still have to drive, but my spirit's going to commune with God. What I found is the Holy Spirit will fill the space if you will make it. And so I want to encourage you, let's become a people that learn to wait on God because we love the presence of God. Can I pray for you today? Father, I thank you for this beautiful community of people. Father, I thank you that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because it's founded upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you long to live with us, that you long to be present with us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to become people of your presence, Lord, who have learned to wait on you. I pray, Father, that when we feel so distracted, when we feel we've got to go, 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 Father, I pray that our souls would learn to rest in your presence. Father, we thank you that in your presence, there's the fullness of joy and life forevermore. We long to be with you. Help us to wait on you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, thanks so much for joining me today. I want to encourage you, take some time to talk about this uh, in your house church. Take time, maybe talk about what are your challenges for waiting on God? When do you wait on God? And uh, maybe you want to lovingly hold each other accountable to it. And let's just encourage one another so that we can experience everything that God has for us. I love you so much, church. Can't wait to roller skate with you next Sunday night. See you then.